good morning. It's so good to, to be together this morning, to worship our Lord through song, through prayer, and now through his word. Uh, last week we began a, a seven-week series on prayer. Uh, for many of us, as we look at our lives, we may be thinking, oh, this is one of those disciplines that's hard for us. This is one of those disciplines that I practice before a meal. Maybe I wake up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, for another day of life. Lay down my head at night. Thank you, Lord, for another day of life. Um, if I was to ask you this question, how would you rate your Zero, I don't pray. To ten, I pray continuously. Right? What would your answer be? In your life, driving to the church this morning, I was just thinking about my uh, just rhythms of prayer. And again, just overwhelmed by my, my inadequacy when it comes to prayer. Uh, there's, there's times where I can look back in life and go, man, I was, I was dedicated to prayer. There's other times that I can look back on my life and go, Whew, I was not in communion with God at all. You see, last week we began the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And Jesus, he expects his followers to pray. He says in Matthew 6, he says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. And then he says, pray then like this. There's, a, there's an expectation on believers' lives. Followers of Christ pray to the Father. Last week we began Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. This is found in the Sermon on the Mount. And we, we began looking at really... These two warnings that, get, that Jesus gives us in, in 5 to 8. Don't pray like hypocrites. Don't pray like pagans. But pray like this. And his focus and our focus has to be upon our Father in heaven. So we looked at that. We looked at our focus, our Father in heaven. And then we looked at these three requests that, that Jesus makes on behalf of, of God's glory in our lives. He says, our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. So his first request, his first petition is that the Father's name would be hallowed, would be sanctified, would be set apart, would be made holy across all the world. Jesus' desire is that the name of God would be known and rightly known and worshipped. And then we looked at this second request, your kingdom. Jesus prays, your kingdom come. And we looked at Jesus Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God. The time is fulfilled. Repent and believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. Like he ushered in the kingdom. And now he awaits at the right hand of his father to return and bring in fully this, this kingdom of God. And then this third, this third way that Jesus instructs us to pray for God's glory is that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we want your will to be done. Father, we want your will to be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. And we, we emphasize that the church is where this happens. We are kingdom outposts. Jesus is building his church all around the world. And each little, little church is a kingdom outpost for the kingdom of God. Where people gather. Where we are a people gathered to worship God. We come together on Sundays, right? We come together on Sundays to be instructed to come and worship God together, to be sent out 
all over this community to see God's kingdom go forth and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's who we are. That's what we do. So today, what we're going to see is this second part of this prayer. Last week I mentioned the big idea. Pray, pray for God's glory and our good. Last week we looked at God's glory. This week we're looking at our good. Let me read this passage for us. I'm going to start in verse 9 and go to verse 13. And then I'm going to pray for us. And then we'll look at the, this final half of this prayer. Verse 9 begins, pray then like this. Jesus is instructing his disciples, his followers, how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And, and, and some of y'all's translations may say, for, for, for yours or for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. We'll, we'll touch on that at the very end today. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to look at our good as followers of Christ. Our Father in heaven, we, oh God, we, we long for your name to be made known over all this earth. God, we long to see your, your glory fill this earth, to see men and women across this planet worship you, the, the God who created them to worship him. Oh God, would you do that work now in our lives? God, teach us to pray. Lead us by your spirit. Oh, oh spirit of God, would you indwell us now? Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive this word this morning. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus' longing in this prayer is for the Father to be made known and for his kingdom and will to be done on this earth. So that was our focus last week. We, we focus, and, and when we come in prayer to the Father, we focus on him. He's the one worthy. He's our Father in heaven. But now in this second half, this, these last three verses of this prayer, Jesus does focus now on the worshiper's concern and need. One, one commentator put it like this. Until now, the petitions have concerned the great causes of God and his kingdom. And that's where we should begin. We want to be outward focused. We want to be God-centered in our prayers. At this point, though, verses 11 to 13, at this point, Jesus' attention moves to the personal needs of the worshiper. And as you, as you may have noticed, and as we pointed out last week, it's in the plural. It's not I or me, it's us. It's a collective prayer, it's a communal prayer. That's why after the sermon, we're going to spend time again in corporate prayer together. We're going we're gonna to plead with God to do this work. So this first petition, really it's the fourth that we've seen, because we've seen your name, your kingdom, your will. Now we're going to see three more petitions or requests in this passage. This first petition, petition is for bread, our bread. Give us this day our daily bread. A, a prayer, this is, this is Craig Keener, a prayer expressing dependence on God for daily bread and asking only for bread 
was the prayer of a person willing to live simply satisfied with the basics. That, that's hard right there, man. I like, as I think about that, I'm like, we live in America. Anything we want is right there for the taking. It's so hard to think about day by day. So hard to think about, God, would you just provide the daily needs to sustain us for the day? We, we come to God. And Jesus instructs us, he says, give us, give us. Our Father in heaven, give us. This is a dependence on God. He's the one who provides and sustains. It sounds a bit demanding, right? Give us. Like if a, if a kid comes up and says, give me that ice cream. I'm like, stiff arm, no, like that's, that's not okay. Like that's not how we talk. But here, this is, this is that acknowledgement of God as Father and completely dependent upon us. I mean, we're completely dependent upon him. A kid comes up and he says, give me food because you alone can provide it. Like, we understand that, right? Like, yes, that's, that's right. Like, I want to do that. I want to provide for you. Later on in Matthew 6, Jesus actually instructs, and he tells us, ask, seek, knock, ask. Seek, knock, go to the Father, go to him. This is pleasing to our God when we come humbly with these requests. God, give us this day our daily bread. This day, daily, every day we go to the Father. Again, I find this a struggle in my life. I don't know if you do. Like we, we, have, we have bank accounts that are padded. right? We can look and we can say, hey, I'm good for the next month. Two months, three months, year, right? You got to have that safety net, that three months in the account, so that if you lose your job, you can make it. We, we, have, we have enough for years to come. Jesus says, start each day humbly, poor in spirit, asking the Father to provide. Right? Even when the Lord provided for the Israelites day by day by day, we see them in Exodus 16 going and gathering more for the day than was needed. And what happened to that manna that they gathered? Turned into worms. Became gross. Because the Lord instructed, this is what he says in Exodus 16, 4 through 7. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? God says, I'm going to provide for them every single day. When they wake up in the morning, there's going to be bread laid out on the ground. They go and pick up enough for that day. They were to walk in dependence upon God every single day. When they gathered enough for two days, what did it show? It showed independence. It showed, I'm not trusting you, God, because I don't trust that you'll provide this again tomorrow. This is how we are in our lives. Right? This, is, this is what the, the, the writer in the Proverbs, Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9, this is what he warns against. 
Look at these, look at these verses with me. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. And listen to this prayer right here. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Why? Why? Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. You see, he asked, he asked for neither poverty nor riches. He knows his heart. It's easy, it, we are so easily led astray. By the riches of the world where we deny God or, or by being poor and not having enough and we, we profane God. The proverb here says, no, I, I, don't, I don't want either of those. Just provide for me what is needed for right now. Give us this day our daily bread. This bread, he's, he's praying, God, give me enough food for just the day. Jesus cared about our personal needs. He cares about our physical needs each and every day. The Father cares about your needs. He's a good God. This idea of, of walking every day, right? Waking up in the morning, exalting God through our prayers, and then saying, God, give us this day our daily bread. It shows that daily dependence upon God. We are a dependent people. You may not want to admit that, right? I think, I think it's hard for us to, to say, oh, we're, we're dependent upon someone else. But from, from birth to death, we need people in our lives. We need parents that look after us so that we don't go hungry. We need community around us. We even need our government, right, so that we have a, a sane uh, we have a sane world, right? Like that, we, we know what happens if there's no government. We're needy in our old age. This petition reminds us, reminds us of our dependence. We are frail, fragile, and wholly dependent on the goodness of God. That's who we are. We're a dependent people. This prayer crushes, absolutely crushes our independence. We need each other. Al Muller says, food rightly received functions as a constant reminder of the greatness of God and our need for his goodness and provision. I, I want you to think about just over the last few days, have you prayed before a meal? You know, a lot of times they become rote prayers. God, thank you for this meal. Amen. Father, we, we thank you for this, this daily provision. Amen. But just think about that for a second. Like, why would you pray before a meal? It's again showing who has provided that, who is sustaining you. We pray daily for this bread. But this bread here, right, yes, it's physical. But when we sit down and eat, when we think about God sustaining us physically, this should drive us to think spiritually as well. We need bread for our spiritual lives. We need that. Jesus in, in John, he calls himself the bread of life. The bread of life. When, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, what are we doing? We're thinking about Jesus' body broken for us. His, his body given for us. His blood shed for us. We use bread to demonstrate that he is the bread of life. 
He's the one that we need. He's the one that, that has, has sustained us and is giving us life each and every day. So yes, there's physical need here, and that's what Jesus is, is mainly thinking about here. But there's also a spiritual need that all of us are, are desperate for. We need the bread of life. We need this bread that, that sustains for a lifetime. So as we think, as we, as we petition, as we, requ- we, we request every day, give us this day our daily bread, this, this, this really creates uh, an emotion or a con- it, it makes us content. It makes us grateful. It makes us dependent upon God. This is our bread. This is, this is what we're pleading for. As we continue on, we see next that, that Jesus moves on now from, from this physical to really now this, this pardon, our debts, our debts. If I was to ask us in here to raise our hands if we know what debt is because we are in debt, um, I think the majority of us would probably go, yeah, we're, we're in debt, whether it be school debt, whether it be credit card debt, whatever type of debt that is, we understand debt. Like we get it, we understand tangibly what that is. Although now we're not imprisoned for our debt, I mean, it's still a serious problem in our culture. When Jesus is talking about debts to these, this audience, they're thinking, yeah, I, I could be imprisoned for that debt. That's, yeah, this is, this is a big deal. And now he's saying, God, would you, Father, would you forgive us our debts as, as we have also forgiven our debtors? This request is both vertical, as we think about this, it's vertical and horizontal. Our relationship with God and our relationship with people, it's, it's forgiveness received and forgiveness given. He says, he says, pray, forgive us our debts. This is asking God for extravagant mercy. Our debts deserve imprisonment and death. So the question is, how can God do this? How can God forgive us our debts? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us how God has forgiven our debts. Jesus became, became sin. He became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, God has done this. He's forgiven our debts. Yesterday in the car, as we were coming back from evangelism out, out in our community... Uh, Grayson asked me to share the Romans Road with him. You know, the Romans Road is a great way to share the gospel with people. Well, it it begins with Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, we, we fall short of God's glory because of our sin. And then he says, and are justified, this is verse 24, by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This is how God can forgive our sin. He's justified us. He's made us right by his grace as a gift. It's a free gift. And we've been redeemed through Christ Jesus. This is how God can forgive our debts. This petition causes us to acknowledge our sinfulness, but also gives us hope of forgiveness. Forgive us, O God, our Father, of our debts. These debts, we understand this word. It's it's owing something to someone. It's owing God something we cannot pay. You see, our debts against the holy creator God 
are extravagant. They cannot be paid. Luke 11, as Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, it uses the word sin, forgive us our sins. Later on, like a verse down in verse 14, it says, forgive us our trespasses. See, it's, it's not just one debt. He doesn't say forgive us our single debt. He said forgive us our debts, plural. One debt against a holy God is enough to condemn us to hell for eternity. One debt. But we've committed many. We have many debts that we owe God. But the good news for us and the good news for you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, is that this prayer can be your prayer and you can find forgiveness. You see, Jesus, the reason God can, can look at us and forgive our debts is because Christ paid the penalty for our debts on the cross. He took our sin on himself. He took our debts that deserve death. And he did away with them. Forgive us our debts. This is what God has done in Christ Jesus. Listen to Psalm 103, verses 10 to 13. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. The invitation this morning is to find forgiveness in Christ. Your sins can be done away with. It says, Psalm 103 says, There as far as the east is from the west, he removes our transgressions. And the way to find forgiveness is just simply confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never done that, if you've never confessed Jesus as Lord and you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, I encourage you to do that now. Talk with someone after the service. We want to, we, we want to invite you into this family. We want you to experience this good news that your debts have been forgiven. And then, yes, the vertical relationship is, is complete. And you, you have a relationship with God, and what it does, it allows you now to forgive others. It allows you now not to harbor that anger, that bitterness that you have towards your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. It allows you now to forgive them. A forgiven person forgives much. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. This is an ongoing work in our lives. In Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus how often he should forgive his brother. And he suggests seven times. My brother sins against me. Can I, should I forgive him up to seven? And Jesus says, no. No. I don't say seven times. I say 70 times seven. That's like an infinite number. Continue to forgive each and every day. This is, this is us showing mercy because we've received much mercy. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 18, 23 to 35 to get this point across. 
This parable is in the negative. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Impossible to pay back. That would take multiple lifetimes to pay back. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. He was forgiven much. 10,000 talents, lifetimes worth of debt. And his master showed pity on him and forgave him his debt. It's wiped clean. It's wiped clean. The servant didn't understand, though. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, pennies, compared to 10,000 talents. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, but I will pay you, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that, all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should, be, he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. See, this servant didn't understand the mercy of his master. Many times we go about life as Christians, we forget the mercy of the master. We forget that we've been forgiven much, so we hold grudges against others. Unfortunately, that happens in churches all the time, and it, it causes churches to split. It should not be. There's a warning right there. So also my heavenly father will do to do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We've been forgiven much. If you've been forgiven, if you've been brought into the kingdom of God, if you are a co-heir with Christ, you've been forgiven of all your sin, how much more should we be forgiving others? Our Father in heaven has forgiven us. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Let us be let us be men and women who forgive much. We finish off this prayer. This third petition, this third re request. So, so now we've seen just that, that physical need met, right? Our bread. We've seen our pardon, our, our debts, and now we have our plea. Now Jesus is really reaching, he's, he's going into the, the spiritual world of these temptations of the evil one. This final request is for protection. These requests have been for our good. Our stomachs are full. Our sins have been forgiven. And now we pray for evil to be fought. This is a request for spiritual protection. Jesus says, pray like this. Lead us not into temptation. Jesus was led. Right? If you look back after Jesus' baptism, he was led by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. 
Jesus here is teaching us to pray. Lead us not into temptation. Lord, don't lead us into that wilderness. Don't lead us there. Why? Why? Jesus came out of the wilderness triumphant, and now we live in that triumph. He's victorious, and we get to live in that victory. He says, pray, lead us not into temptation. Jesus has been there. He knows. This temptation, this path of sin, the appeal of sin, it's always, it's always right there, ready to grab us. It's, it's dangerous. It's always prevalent. It's a daily threat. Cain was warned by God. Back in Genesis 4, sin is crouching. It's crouching at the door. It's ready to pounce. That's what this temptation is doing in our lives. Jesus is saying, plead with God, lead us not into temptation. We need power from on high. We need God to help us and lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil or from the evil one. You see, temptation in our lives, we need to run away. We need to flee from temptation. James tells us what happens when we give in to our temptation. In James 1, 14 and 15, he says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire. We see temptation. Now desire. It conceives and gives birth to sin. And sin, when, it fully, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Temptation leads to death. That's why we plead with God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, we need you to deliver us. You have the power to do this. You've defeated Satan by your son's death and resurrection. The evil one's fate is destruction, yet he still desires to lead us astray. I don't know if you've ever read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, but it's a fascinating portrayal story of, of how demons, Satan's posse, try to get us. And I'm telling you, it's real. The demonic is real. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us that, that Satan, the devil, is, is walking around. He's, he's prowling around like a roaring lion. And he wants to devour you. He wants to devour us. 2 Timothy 4.18 says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Father in heaven longs and desires to guide and guard us. He wants to lead us not into temptation. He wants to deliver us from evil. This is our prayer. Oh God, this is our plea. Lead us not into, into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Our Heavenly Father longs to do this. We just submit our lives to Him. We walk in dependence to Him. This prayer in many of our manuscripts, it's not found in the earliest manuscripts, so that's why it's not in the, the ESV or the, the Pew Bibles. But this prayer closes with a doxology. And it makes sense because in normal Jewish prayers, they close in doxology. This doxology that, that most of you are familiar with is, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And this links very nicely with verse 9. 
where Jesus is, is calling out to God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Why? Because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is our desire. As, as believers, we need to pray like this. We need to pray like this. In just a few minutes, I'm going to close our time in prayer, and then we're going we're gonna to get in twos, threes, and fours, and we're going to have some time of corporate prayer together. But as we pray today, as we pray today, let us begin by being focused on our Father who is in heaven. Let us focus on his name being made known and being hallowed, being set apart, being revered over all the earth. Let's pray for his kingdom to come. Let's pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then let's plead with God for our daily bread, showing our dependence upon God, thanking him that he has forgiven our debts. And now he's keeping us from temptation. It's provision, it's pardon, it's protection. This is our prayer. Let's pray now, and then we'll have time for corporate prayer. Our Father in heaven, we give you praise. We thank you for your goodness towards us in Christ. We thank you for your kindness, your patience, your compassion, your grace, your mercy, your love. God, as, as we think about this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Father, we want to be those who are consumed with a passion for your glory over all this earth. God, we long for people to be saved. Lord, we long for sins to be forgiven. Lord, we, we long to see your gospel and your kingdom go forth. Father, we walk in dependence upon you today. Father, may we be marked by prayer. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we spend time praying now,